The last few months since the start of COVID have been difficult for many of us. The punches of life thrown at us, blow after blow, have had the kind of the cumulative effect of not only wearing us down physically, uh, emotionally, and spiritually, but it's also forced us to think about realities we never thought we would. In my life and maybe in yours, we've, we've kind of been exposed a little bit. We thought we had a greater depth in our relationship with Christ, but we've all seen cracks in our faith. We're looking at our world as it is now, and because we're less mature than maybe we thought, we're struggling with how to respond to it. In the uncertainty, I and, and most pastors I know have struggled to know how to lead the precious people God's given us to shepherd. The people of God have been in a state of just constant reaction. However, and this is where I'm at right now, it is time to be proactive. We need to renew our focus on Christ and recommit ourselves to what God has asked us to do. There's still a great commission of making disciples and the great call of passionately loving God and, and people. And to do this, we must intentionally exit the fear, the culture wars, the frustration, the cancel culture, the cynicism, and on and on. We've become people in many ways that we, we never intended to be. But it begs the question, so who do we want to be? We're, we're all in the furnace of life that Jesus and the writers of the New Testament promised we would be in, and we all feel a little exposed. We want to do something. However, before we set off to engage our world, we better be sure we know what God has actually asked us to do. The Bible is full of examples of what happens when people seek to engage their world in, in ways that God never even asked them to. And those examples, by the way, in the end, aren't good. Yet when we finally have clarity, we need to be united so when we do, we do it with action. This is why we're pursuing Christ together for 100 days. We will act, but we can't do it apart from being together in Christ. Now, a few weeks ago, while I was on Zoom, I noticed an overdeveloped uh, double chin flopping on the screen. Even as I tried to like reposition myself to hide it, I, I, I couldn't. It was obvious that I really needed to lose the weight I packed on over these last few months of COVID. So I, I started working out with a buddy and adjusting my diet. Now, now, what was weird was right at that time, I started getting pop-ups about losing weight. They were pills and creams, orthodox and unorthodox diet plans. I never even realized that dieting was so theological. There were gizmos and gadgets and nutritious food that could be delivered right to your door. There was even an offer to freeze the, the fat off of me. And I'm not the only one seeing themselves on this reality screen called Zoom. Since COVID, plastic surgery inquiries have skyrocketed as people have received their Zoom kind of reality check. The problem with gimmicks, however, is they only work for a while. They never develop the, the healthy habits required to keep the weight off and actually be and stay healthy. Now, I'm not sure if Alexa or Siri let all these advertisers know I needed to shed some pounds, but the fads and promotions only reminded me that there are no shortcuts to being fit. The pathway to health is simple. Develop habits of eating right, exercising, drinking lots of water, and getting good sleep. It's simple. That's how God designed us. Any other approach, you know this, will just ultimately fail. I understand why we buy into those ploys from hucksters. We, we live in an instant gratification society that, that no longer thinks and acts in the long term. 
We want it and we want it now. But think about it. Is that who we really want to be? How, okay, this got me thinking as we approached the 100 days of pursuing Christ together. Spiritual health is somewhat similar. Pursuing Christ is simple, yet you know this, it's demanding. The Christian life isn't microwavable, yet online and on social media or maybe in the echo chambers of your friend network, we've begun to buy into the gimmicks. But there are no shortcuts in spiritual maturity. If we're gonna know, love, and enjoy Jesus Christ, what Paul called us to in Philippians 3, using the strenuous language of athletics and the military, if we're, if we're going to be robust, ferociously single-minded followers of King Jesus, it takes a great deal of time aimed consistently in the right direction. A good friend recently shared a challenge with me that he heard from a person he respected several years ago. The trusted guy asked him this question. He said, do you want to be a squash or an oak tree? He said, if you want to be a squash, it only takes about six months. But if you want to be an oak tree, it takes 100 years. Again, the question comes, who do I want to be? Do I want to be a squash or an oak tree? I've wondered over the last few months of COVID if the church, including Cornerstone, has been floundering and somewhat reckless because we too are maybe out of shape spiritually. I pondered if maybe we can't run in our new environment because we aren't spiritually fit for our time. Sure, we're full of vim and vigor when it comes to certain things. We wanna fight the evil of the world. But maybe we're like the guy in the gym who has this huge upper body in the toothpick legs. He can bench press right with the best of them. He looks good with his shirt off, but he can't run to save his life. The spiritual exercises that we practiced prior to COVID may have made us adequate to that time. However, as much as we would like to go back, that isn't the time God has asked us to live in now. We must be ready for the here and now and also what is ahead of us. And that is what I'm hoping for in these next 100 days for Cornerstone. We need to go back to the basics so that we might be ready, not for the, the world that used to exist, but for the one that does and will be. We must be ready to act. I want us to, Hebrews 12, run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I want us to live what Paul called us to in Philippians. That is who I want to be. Yet the natural question is, so how do we do that? And I'm so thankful that God's word has that answer. Now, if you've got your Bibles or you know whatever device you might have, I want you to open them up to, to 1 Timothy 4. I think this is a great place to start on our 100-day journey. In this section of scripture, we're gonna find our answer to the question of how we can be the people God wants us to be and ready to act in whatever way he wants. Now, here's what Paul said starting in verse seven. Now, listen to this. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. When Paul wrote this first letter to Timothy, his disciple and son in the faith, he was concerned about Timothy's health, both, both physically and spiritually. For his physical health, he urged the young leader in 523 to no longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. He also reminded them in 4.8 that Physical exercise has some value. 
Paul wanted him to care for himself physically. But he also strongly urged him in, in the verse right before this, in verse seven, to train himself for godliness. Why? Well, look down at verse eight, because godliness is valuable in every way. It holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. In other words, godliness is vital to our spiritual health. Godliness, it's the aim. My hope when I ask you the question right now, who do you wanna be, that your answer with all of your heart is, I wanna be a godly man or a woman. So if that's your reply, if you wanna be godly, let's try to answer two questions I think that are important here to kind of get us to where we're going. The first question we need to ask, because I think it is confusing sometimes, is just what's godliness? And the second question we need to ask is, what is this training even that, that Paul's talking about? So let's ask this question, what is godliness? Well, well, godliness is a word we, I think, oftentimes throw around, right? We say, oh, you know, he's a godly man, she's a godly woman, I want to be godly. But, but really, what is it? First, for Paul, godliness is about the, the target we're aiming at. It, it's the goal. Now, at the core of godliness is a reverence and respect towards God. It's a characteristic within us that understands we were created in God's image. We're not the center of the world, but instead we were designed to reflect him. No doubt we were not created to be him, that's impossible, but we are to be like him. This means, second, we are to arrange our lives in such a way that we are most prone to take on his characteristics. We are to place ourselves in the best position to look upon his awesomeness and beauty with the hopes that we will be transformed into his likeness. Now, now more practically, we are to create patterns of, or maybe we could say even this, habits in life that intentionally place us in the path and presence of God. It's the willful kind of habitual choice to create rhythms in our lives that increase our likelihood of being near him and avoiding those rhythms that steer us away from him. We're to constantly ponder what will help us to most look like him, which, by the way, is the ultimate gift he's given to us. And as we do this, as we slowly develop a lifestyle that is consistent with God, we begin to take on his character. For example, if, if I wanna be healthy physically, I need to put myself in the pathway of things that help me to be healthy. The guy I'm working out with wanted me to meet him at 4 a.m. Let me say this again, 4 a.m. But if I wanna be healthy, if I wanna put myself in a position to be healthy, I have to arrange my life into new rhythms so that I am most prone to be healthy. That meant I needed to adjust when I went to bed because healthy people are rested people. It also meant I needed to eat differently. Now, the longer I stay in this rhythm, I acquire the lifestyle of health. And as we all know, the opposite is also true. We can get ourselves into rhythms and habits that promote bad health. It doesn't mean we can't eat a couple of cookies or sit and watch some TV. There's a rhythm of rest like Sabbath and a rhythm of appreciating all that God has given us to enjoy. But those rhythms are, maybe we could say this spaced out. They're the exception, not the norm. Now, when COVID hit, for many of us, it jolted us out of our normal rhythms. What happened is that companies like you know, Netflix and Amazon, who have learned how to keep us glued to their programming, stepped into our broken rhythms and created new ones. 
My wife read an article uh, about Facebook and how they have learned to condition us to spend hours scrolling through information, craving likes on our posts, kind of like Pavlov's dogs craving treats. Social media entered our rhythm in a greater and a greater way. Cable news, which is becoming less and less about information dissemination, but about profits from their sponsors, told us what we wanted to hear to entice us back to their channel again, though it just became a new entrance of rhythm into our lives. Hucksters who were online became a new rhythm in our lives. They promoted themselves through endless YouTube videos, riling us up over the evils of society, trying to, to pawn man-made solutions on us that we know they'll never work. Again, it's not as if we can't have contact with these things, but they cannot be our normal rhythm. If we're to be godly, we must acquire a lifestyle that is consistent with God's character. It's the only life that, verse 8, when you look in your text, holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, and this is, this is very important, the only way we ever become godly is through a relationship with God who grants us godliness. We cannot produce godliness. We can only put ourselves in a position to experience it. In fact, if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of King Jesus, Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1.3 that we already have everything that we need for godliness. Yet, like a plant, we can water and weed, but we can't make it grow. We can put ourselves in a prime position, but we must believe, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 8, that only God causes growth. We're like a sunflower, right, that tracks the sun across the sky, absorbing its nourishment from the sun. Now, now one last thought before we answer the, the question of what is this training for godliness, or what is training? Too often, as with weight loss, the goal is not health, but, but, but looking good. We lose weight with the intent of others perceiving us as fit or, or beautiful. Our appearance of health, however, is a byproduct, not the goal. And if you make these 100 days merely an attempt to look and act godly, you will be extremely disappointed. Legalistic and licentious people can look godly, but Jesus constantly warned both groups that they were dead on the inside. It is only an appearance of godliness. How we look on the outside is the byproduct, but the transformation that God does on the inside, that's the aim. Our motivations and our pursuit of knowing Christ are just as, if not more important, than the practices with which I'm about ready to talk about. But if we are rightly motivated and empowered, desiring to know, love, and enjoy Jesus Christ, we can become like Him. Jesus promised to meet us in our pursuit of Him when we, John 15, abide in Him. And as we abide, we become like Him. Those who make their pursuit of Christ the goal are those who genuinely become the people God intends them to be, made ready to face the world as it is. We can't get the carriage before the horse. So, understanding the goal of godliness is critical, but as with pursuing physical health, there's still the hard work. What is interesting about 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8 is that the word train is where we get our word gymnasium. And when we think of a gym, right, we know it is a place we go to sweat and to work hard. We go there to exercise our muscles so that we can be fully developed and, and healthy people. 
There are benches and cables and sleds and some equipment. I've never quite figured out what the purpose is. Yet each lift is an exercise in which we exert ourselves to develop health. In many ways, with some definite differences, this is similar to, and this may sound kind of cheesy, but the, the gym of Jesus Christ. So what are the exercises that God gives us to grow in godliness? If you've walked with King Jesus long enough, you might have heard of maybe called spiritual disciplines. They are these practices or rhythms that God gave his people to do to, to put us in his path, in his presence at that moment. Now, the, the list is too large to go through today, and in the next 100 days, we will look at some of them, but, but all of them seem to fit into four basic categories. Hearing, speaking, obeying, and fellowshipping. So we must hear God's voice from his word, we must speak to him in prayer, we must obey by doing the good works he intends and will empower us to do, and while some of the exercises are personal, many are also interpersonal. So we must have training partners in this endeavor or fellowship. What we need to know now for our 100 days is that the exercises given to us in the Bible aren't new. In fact, they're ancient, thousands of years old. God has given these exercises to his people to aid us in knowing, loving, and enjoying him so that we might be like him. When practiced with the, the right motives and in the power he gives us through his spirit, they, they stimulate spiritual growth by drawing us near to Christ. And in that nearness, these rhythms create spiritual muscles. They're activities that we do that form our relationship with Christ and shape us into his likeness so that we are made capable for whatever we may face in life. Now, what sometimes gets us in trouble, however, is that we think these habits are about merely doing, almost checking the box when we're done. But they aren't primarily about doing, but about being. Christians do these practices by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we abide in him to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. We're motivated to do the spiritual disciplines because we know they get us to the goal of knowing and being like him. Now, now think about it. We know from our study of Romans 8 a few months ago that God chose us and rescued us to be conformed to the image of his son. That is God's goal in our lives. And apart from putting ourselves in his path through practices, he will use suffering, <laughs> discipline, confrontation, and all kinds of other tools to, Philippians 1.6, bring us to completion. To use Jonah as an example, if need be, to shape us into the image of Christ, he will discipline us by putting us in a big fish. Even at this very moment, as you hear God's word, he is, 2 Corinthians 3.18, transforming us into the image of his son. And one day, praise God, 1 John 3.2, we know that we will finally be like Christ when he returns. This means that these rhythms are ways that we can actively join God, fully pursuing his goal in our lives of Christ-likeness. We are to make his goal our goal. Now, a crucial aspect of these practices is that they are found in the Bible. We don't get to choose them. We aren't the trainer. God never promises to meet us in the exercises that we, we can conjure in our own heads. We don't determine what's best to encounter God. We trust him to define that. Those disciplines found in scripture are sufficient for knowing and experiencing God. Certain things, some may call disciplines, like maybe gardening or hiking, are enjoyable, but they aren't necessary for godliness.
In fact, if we pursue God with a wrong attitude in ways he never asks us to pursue him, we will only obtain, 2 Timothy 3.5, an appearance of godliness. We will only be, in the end, a fraud. But we want to be more than an appearance. We want to know the one to whom these spiritual habits are intended to draw us near. I firmly believe that the practices we plan to unpack each week for you over these 100 days and the practices we will practice together week in and week out will allow you to arrive in the month of December as godly men and women, ready for whatever 2021 may throw at us. Now, one last thought on training. It will more than likely take time to see Christ formed in you. Since I've been working out with my buddy, I haven't seen the day-to-day change but over time, I should see change. If we continue to train for godliness over time, what God is doing in us will work its way from the inside to the outside. We will become truly godly. We will look more and more like Christ. Now, honestly, like right now, who do you want to be in 100 days? Think about it. Looking in the mirror of scripture that we unpacked today, Who do you want to be? Do you want to be controlled by the angst and fear and frustration that have permeated our society? Do you want to be the man or woman who, Matthew 6, worries about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear, or tomorrow over which you have so little control? Do you want to be the person who fuels the fires of anger and hatred and distrust in the echo chamber of your friendship circles? Do you want to be the explosive parent who leaves your children on constant pins and needles? Do you want to be a person who copes with stress through satiating your desires with pornography and eating? Do you want to be the next marriage that falls apart like so many others are during COVID? Do you want to be anxious and fearful, that person who constantly feeds their paranoia by reading and watching news or social media feeds? Do you want to be a person who runs and hides from this time and and this place? Do you want to be the person that falls apart into despair or rage if the wrong person in your mind is elected to some governmental office? Do you want to be the one who is, 1 Timothy 4-7, trapped in irreverent, silly myths? Do you want to fight the powers that be like Don Quixote charging pointlessly at windmills? Do you want to be the person who's always chasing the proverbial green pastures on the other side of the fence, that other romantic relationship, that other church, that other job, only to find there are just as many problems and imperfections in that pasture too because you brought your problems with you? Do you want to be the person who built earthly kingdoms? Instead, do you want to be the one who built heavenly ones? Or... Do you want to be a man or woman that intentionally placed your life in the path and presence of God for 100 days with other like-minded people pursuing the same goal of godliness who, God willing, will look more like Jesus in December? Do you want to be a person who exudes the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Do you want to be a man or a woman of God made ready for whatever we may face in the coming months and years? Do you want to really, I mean really, fight the powers of darkness all around us by becoming a beacon of hope, a light in the darkness to a world of hopelessness? Who do you want to be 
Who do we want to be? If we choose to rally with others in the right attitude, willing to put in that the labor and toil and strain in the strength, Colossians 1.29, that God promises to give those who pursue him in the power of the Holy Spirit, I promise you, we won't regret it. If we choose to spend ample time in God's word and in prayer, in obedience to King Jesus, and in fellowship with those passionately pursuing Christ, we will be ready to spring into action to do the good works God has for us. But today, who do we want to be? This question has colossal and eternal consequences for you and those you love and the world in which we live. Our Father intends to meet us in our absolute inadequacy with the provision to flourish during this time. He has given, is giving, and will give us the grace we need. But only in this pursuit of Christ, who lavishes godliness on those who pursue him, will we encounter a godliness that has value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So let me just ask you this question one last time. Who do you, who do, who do we want to be?